This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. The ropes, Jeff Hawkins, Chris Novembrino, the most underrated voice on the Voices of Wrestling Network. America's secret, baby. America's secret. I was gonna, I was gonna do this entire show in Jericho commentary voice, but, but it would probably become an old bit after like three minutes. And I happen to be here today, Jeff. <laughs> oh, let let's talk podcast etiquette, Chris. Shall we? Absolutely. Yeah, no, I, I, I am so ready to talk about this. So, like, where, where shall we begin? Do you want to okay, begin no, with I, being no, a good I'm, guest on the show, or I'm, do you want to begin with booking co-hosts? Because we can go in either direction. It's a bifurcated, <laughs> trifurcated, multifurcated process. Chris, Chris and I are having a bit of a debate that we want you, the listener, to, uh, to solve for us. Now, here's the situation. Chris will not be here next week. Mm-hmm. Now, when a host or co-host has... A planned absence for a show does the uh does the honor go to the person remaining on the show to get a co-host or is it up to the up to the host to get a replacement for that person now i i your lovable snuggly america's sweetheart of a, of a podcast host thinks that the person who is doing the show should be able to choose who they work with. And then if they can't find anybody, hey, hey, do you have any ideas? Chris has volunteered someone, a lovely person. With um, radio experience who follows the product close. Yeah, okay. and, and has followed the product closer than I do. Okay. And so is highly qualified for the okay. position. But but real quickly, two listeners, I hope you have pen and paper here because <laughs> there's another important question that I would like you guys to consider here. Do you think in a show with multiple people that it's important to consult both hosts when you're booking a guest on the show? Now, now you, you, now, you might go, When did I never consult you? I would like to bring you back to the case of one Rob McCarron, who I was told was going to be on the show. And then, and this is where I think Cody will really over deliver. He did not even complete the entire episode. (laughs) So one thing that Cody really has going for him here, dear listeners, is that Cody will do the entirety of the show and will be more prepared than I am. Okay. Well, no, Rob McCarron's a different a different beast because he is the creator of this show. He is not a guest. He is the no, owner. no, no. This is kind of like a Cliff Burton, Jason Newstead thing. No, no. It's like a Cliff Burton, Jason Newstead thing. The band never acknowledged Newstead, even though he like did more shows. It's, I, and I get it. I get it. What is, what is young Cody's last name? Cause I almost, cause you refer to him as your son so much. I almost called him Cody Novembrino is going to be here. I, I think I, I'll let Cody decide what last name Cody's going with. You don't know it, do you? No, I do know it, but, but Cody has been like playing around. It's, it's like many of my Nov gimmicks. I have to respect them or others have to respect them. And if you break the Nov kayfabe, then like some of the mystique goes away. Uh, Cody has his own little kayfabes. Uh, and uh, you're gonna find it be just fantastic. Okay. So, yeah. so the experiment next week will be Jeff and Cody 
doing shake them ropes. Okay. Yeah. I'm down. I can. I, uh, here's the thing. Listeners, let me ask you this. Don't you think I'm entitled to listen to a show that I like? <laughs> Shouldn't I enjoy listening to shake them ropes? And, you know, and, and I think Cody will, will get, will, will be true to the brand um, and not be focused <laughs> on, entirely on getting himself over like some other guests. Let me answer that question. I have family that doesn't even enjoy listening to this show. So <laughs> this is uh, why we got to pad the stats, buddy. Uh, yeah, Someone has to like this show. And, and, and here's the thing. People don't necessarily <laughs> like me. So I think that, that this will be a market improvement. A little bit of brand expansion um, for those who actually do like my audio. <laughs> I don't know if that's even me sometimes. But uh, I have accepted an invitation to start reviewing Dynamite over at Fight Game Network. I believe it's a pure Patreon type of uh, place. It's run by Garrett Gonzalez, who does shows with Dave Meltzer and Figure Four every week. But I'll be on there with Paul Fontaine uh, for the foreseeable future right after Dynamite doing uh, reviews. And I'll also be reviewing All Out for them. And uh, we will be... Doing a preview here of All Out. I'm very excited about this pay-per-view, Chris. I, uh, I Dude, th- like, for whatever issues I've had with TV going into this, I, I want it to be abundantly clear before we begin the show, uh, just to make sure everyone's got this written down. I'm really stoked for this pay-per-view, uh, despite whatever hiccups may be occurring on TV here and there. Starting with a little bit of sad news, Daphne Unger, uh, late of WCW, and I believe ECW as well, uh, found dead late thursday early friday i believe it was Um, dead by suicide she had been live streaming on instagram some very scary messages and had a gun that could be seen in that thing some people some ghouls were actually like rebroadcasting like gifs and stuff from this don't do that uh daphne kind of a hole in my wrestling fandom because that was when I was a bit lapsed uh, late stage WCW, early ECW. Um, Very well loved amongst women wrestlers though. Women's wrestling to me has a lot of what I like to call that country music uh, fandom in there because it's, it's one of those things where they really respect their history. I mean, you saw just great tributes from people like Bailey and Ember Moon and Mia Yim and others. I thought WWE handled this well as well. They they offer mental health counseling and they they said anybody who needs it can get it. Jake Atlas, very positive about the mental health that they offer for them because they he used it for a few months. He said he goes, look, it really helped me through some times. Now look, I get the cynicism. I get that some talent is like, because you watch these things like 24-7 and stuff like that, and you see you see what mind games that the company sometimes plays with talent. So, you know, you, you kind of scoff at WWE And, and there, are the Vince, there are the Vince quotes yes. about how this stuff is public relations. And so, like, I go back and forth, and obviously we're looking at Jimmy Uso, a guy who very much needs this stuff and is instead getting pushed really heavily right now. But at the same time, I'm kind of with you where it's like if people are saying they're getting it and it's helping them, we ought to just take what they're saying at face value because it's not like you could possibly know better. 
Uh, yeah, it, it, it seems very simple. Like I, I saw that Carl Anderson tweet this week and yeah. I know that he's been heavily it's not excoriated. The time. It's from, not the no, time it, to take your shots at people because but it's also wrong. It's yeah. also wrong. How do you know that the specific mental health treatment that WWE is offering for free is not quality? You don't. You have no way of saying that because you're not actually doing it. If you had some, if 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 you could even say with authority, I had some friends who called me up who were still at the company, and they said that like this is not like what you think it is. That's one thing, but that's not even what he's saying. It's just a dude throwing stones from across the street, uh, and and at the absolute worst time. And yeah, I'm gonna say it's at the absolute worst time, but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say look. Carl Anderson has every right to throw stones at the WWE, especially after the company trapped him in Saudi Arabia on a plane for multiple hours. Don't get me wrong. He has, he has, a, he has an ax to grind the size of Paul Bunyan with, with, with the company, but there's a time and place for that. And it's not right after someone beloved in the wrestling community like Daphne was, kills herself it's just it's not the time you have to focus it right like it it, like why lash out at wwe's mental health services when they're offering what you would expect aew to offer after such a tragedy uh in terms of in-ring stuff there's not a lot i that that really burns in my brain um I, i know she was with crowbar in the late stages of wcw and then eventually fought crowbar for i believe the hardcore title in WCW. I know she was in TNA for a while when, when, when the knockouts division was, uh, was growing and pretty good. Um, but this might be someone more from your generation. Chris, do you have any strong recollections of that? Other than like, I watched a lot of late stage WCW cause I was a WCW, not WWF guy. And I mean, I remember Daphne from it, but like crowbar is not someone I have really particularly vivid memories of either other than you're like crowbar. And I'm like, Oh yeah, crowbar. I remember crowbar, but like, I don't, I mean, what did crowbar do? You know, he was like David Flair's guy. Like, you know, he he was the dude with the crowbar in the one angle. And I don't even remember what that angle was, (laughs) but I will say this. If, if you are suffering from any adverse effects if you've watched this live stream and it was not pleasant um i remember i was on twitter at the time and everybody's like going does anybody have her phone number does anybody know where she is i mean that sense of panic that you see as this is being broadcast live uh i would i would recommend talking to a counselor of some kind um that's really rough stuff to see Um, yeah i had i have friends who work there's a company down the way here uh that does they go through a major social networking website um, and check to see if there are inappropriate videos. And the people who go through and do that vid screening and stuff, um, it's a really high turnover job. And I have a number of friends who have worked there. It's like a under $15 an hour job. Uh, and it's particularly traumatizing. You, you can't actually watch this stuff and really fully mentally seal yourself. These visuals and these images have a way of sort of like bubbling back up. So I, I just want to sort of echo what you said. Like if you saw something that's unsettled you, you do need to talk about it and process it so that you can move on because these images have a way of continuing to kind of like bubble up to the front of the surface. 
before this happened, my idea to start this show would be Chris doing a funeral dirge in honor of NXT. But of course, that joke would not be appropriate at this time. No. But no. rumors are that Vince Bruce and Kevin Dunn will be producing NXT. These are conflicting reports. There was somebody from the WWE who told me that, and this matches reports of others being told, like Sean Ross Sapp from others, that this will not be a hands-on week-to-week Vince and Gorilla kind of producing that they don't have the time for that. So my speculation is this, is that there's now going to be a big picture for NXT in terms of a vision and what they mean to the company. And I think that bears out because if you watched this week's NXT, there was a theme going on, Chris. That theme was large prospects against older veterans. Um, especially on the male side. There's also a theme on Raw, if you were watching. It was people of size in every single match, it seemed. Um, I think I think Vince is taking this AEW thing seriously, and I think he is going to go with what brought him to the dance, and that is spectacle. That's what I think he intends on trying to hang on to. I think what he may be up against here is the changing nature of audiences. I think that you are already seeing some of those issues with the Becky and Bianca stuff. Mm -hmm. I think that these big guys, he's going to try to push these big guys, but if you keep trying to push big guys and nothing but big guys, eventually fans are going to latch on to little guys as the underdogs, and you're going to have a new Daniel Bryan of some sort. Uh, I, I just... I worry that he is really trying to go against the grain on this one. Yeah. For NXT, I just, I just think they're going to be going, we need to work on these younger, bigger people. And you saw, I mean, the Creed brothers now being made a part of the diamond mine uh, focus on Duke Hudson. The, I, I won't call him Brendan Vink so bad, but his name is Duke Hudson. Um, the, the, uh, Ridge Holland. Yeah, the former Luke Menzies is now Ridge Holland. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, well, Ridge has been back for a while and doing this. I think Ridge is the best of this crop right now. Um, Odyssey Jones is, of course, probably going to get a, a nice push. And, you know, your smaller guys are going to get are going to win your prospects tournament. But they're you're, you're, already after- see, you're already seeing this with Carmelo Hayes, right? Like the, yeah. that promo on NXT was hilarious. Like it's goober treatment. We have no plan for you. What am I going to do? I might do this. I might do that. And then no, actually because Legato del Fantasma has baited me into this. I'm going to have a feud over the North American title. That's what <laughs> I'm, I'm going to use do. this contract for a secondary title. I just, I, yeah, I, you always go for the world title. You always want to match. This but. is like playing chess, mm-hmm. getting your pawn across the chessboard and try to be crafty by getting a Bishop instead of the queen. Can you do that? You you can no no a pawn a pawn no a pawn promotion can literally be any piece it can be knight bishop rook or queen but you wouldn't do queen but for some very strange reason and if you weren't going to do queen you would do knight but you would have to be like super cagey and then have to be a really clever reason to do knight normally you would just do queen I have literally not played chess in like thirty five years since the days of like battle chess on the pc if you remember that that game uh we never we've <laughs> never talked about it but there was a there was a chess club era in young novi's life oh, 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 oh 
someday. I used to play a Are there fair photos? Of... Are there photos of, of mm-hmm. young chess club Chris? Uh, my, I, you know, I had my mom swear to secrecy. Uh, I'm I burning. I, I'll have to go back to was the parents' house. Was this your choice or your parents' choice? No, I was into it. I was into it. What, big, like, searching for Bobby Fischer was like your Star Wars or something? No, um, but I did see that movie and like it was like, oh, chess is cool. But then like I got really into it because it's like everything in my personality. Like when I get into something, I get like really into it. Um, and, and sometimes that passes, but like sometimes it's like guitar and it just like sticks forever. Or I, like this thing that we do here. Yeah, um, like, yeah it, like I, that's just my personality. <laughs> You're a type. wrestling fan, Hawkins. What are you making fun of the chess club for? What? Next? I don't know. I you know like You're go look, after I, the ham radio kids next. Yes, yes, yeah. I am. I, I just no. I, I've always I, I could never memorize the moves. I wish I could do that a little bit more. I will just play by feel. Um, no, that that's the thing that is my issue too. Is like I knew openings, and now I kind of like I only know a couple, and that you know they're so obvious. If you want size, you can look no further than the new group of signings at the Performance Center: Bobby Stevenson, the older brother of Gable Stevenson, Ben Buchanan, six foot four, two fifty, twenty years old, the son of Bull Buchanan. Brady Booker, 6'3", 245, middle, former middle linebacker at the University of South Dakota. And uh, one, Joseph Fatu, the younger brother of Rikishi. Joshua Dawkins, the nephew of former NFL superstar or NBA superstar Daryl Dawkins, a.k.a. Chocolate Thunder. And Jessica Wojnilko, uh, a former gymnast and uh, CrossFit slash Olympic weightlifting. Uh, she's 21 and she's more muscular than I could have ever hoped to be. Uh, she, everything else checks the Vince boxes. If you know what I mean, Chris blonde, uh, <laughs> but we had people of size coming into the, uh, coming into the PC. And it looks like, it looks like a lot of these moves were, uh, let, let's put it this way. We're keeping in the family in many, many ways, or at least people associated with famous people are going to are going to get signed to contracts. Any thoughts or should we move on? I I got to be honest, I don't have like profound thoughts That's about fair. these new people. Most I, of these people, like, hold on, they me, might me... be okay. They might be okay, yeah. but my big problem is it's going to lend itself to a much slower match type and I I just think if they really get far along on this plan, mm-hmm. ultimately WWE shows are going to be really plotting. Uh, outside of the Federation. We'll get back to them in a second. Ring of Honor announced that Roosh will be out of action for the rest of 2021 having knee surgery. This is a heck of a blow. This is also a very underrated blow because I think Roosh was on track to getting a little bit more fame here and then jumping over to AEW, Chris. I got to be honest, I do not watch Ring of Honor. Okay. Like it's, I mean, I watch NWA, but I don't. I put, I, I, put, it, I put the news on here just to put the news. No, no. Well, tell, tell me about Roosh. Like, no, what kind I, of wrestler no, no, no. is he? Roosh, uh, obviously heavy into the luchador style. Former okay. member of Los Ingobernables down there with uh, one uh, now now known as Andrade and uh, others. He was an original member of of them. Um, there, I, I was saying they're gonna basically put Los Ingobernables back in AEW eventually. Oh. But this, of course, uh, he's going to have Co- some more Cody time. probably knows who Ro- Roosh is. Okay. I've, I watched Roosh in 
Mexico. I forget if it's CMLL or, or, yeah, or AAA. I know people are yelling right now. I don't, uh, yeah, it's one of those things where Mexican wrestling blends together for me because it's on all day Saturday in Los Angeles. Like if you turn on the TV from 9 a.m. That's that's kind of dope. I, I I like I wish I had a channel like I probably do. I just don't actually have my <laughs> TV. See, yes, it's yeah. on all day here in Los Angeles. So it's one of those things where it's great, but it's also one of those things where it's like I can't remember federations and who's where and stuff. I, if I were a better fan, I'd mean I'd do that. Uh speaking of the NWA, a little bit in your wheelhouse, a couple of pay-per-views last weekend, the Empower pay-per-view. And then the one from the chase in St. Louis, I forget the name of it, but uh, Empower, got to see some of that. Pretty good all-women's pay-per-view for what it was. But Trevor Murdoch is now your NWA champion, Chris. little surprising for him to be the face of a franchise, but it's also kind of cool because I've always liked Trevor Murdoch. I like Trevor Murdoch. Uh, I thought that his follow-up promo this week was good. Look, uh... Whatever the size of your fan base is, what is important is that you have baby faces and heels who resonate in the right directions with that fan base. And NWA's fan base is on board with the Trevor Murdoch push. So, cool. Uh, I, I think it will be interesting to see how they reset Nick Aldis. It'll be interesting to see who Murdoch goes up against. I guess like maybe a guy like Kratos might end up getting a push. At some point, he, he's a guy I kind of have, like, penciled in there as, like, he'd be a good Trevor Murdoch guy. And, look, uh, NWA is, is still very watchable to me. I think, like, the, the, you see the way people watched Empower, and they're like, oh, this is cool. Yeah, like, look, they, they've had some hiccups along the way. Promotions have hiccups along the way. Um, you know, ultimately, you just got to decide if you, on balance, enjoy the thing that you're watching or not watching. Uh, this is the thing that every TNA fan was telling you for the better part of 15 years. In a sign of definitive surrender to me, WWE Japan LLC officially closed its doors. I think part of this is that that's just no longer needed as well because... I mean, New Japan is not as hot as it used to be. No, let's, let's I, there, there's no longer a, a front on that side to be worried about. If we're talking five, six years ago, WWE needs to have some sort of plan for a rising New Japan with stars that have the ability to have transnational appeal, stars like Kenny Omega, uh, now Prince Devitt, but now Finn Balor, Shinsuke Nakamura, um, the Young Bucks, can you know, like, like we have named Kota Ibushi. They had a legitimate squad of people and Tanahashi to come over to the United States and really build out a New Japan America. The New Japan America plan fizzled, and now WWE, like, but like WWE did do Beast in the East, like it, it which was actually like really good. Uh, might I might I just say Beast in the East? When we're looking back on the last decade, underrated. One of the better shows of the last mm-hmm. decade, yeah. abs- absolutely. Um, so like, kind of, kind of unfortunate because I wish that this thing had gotten a little more off the rails because I think we would have gotten at least a few more good shows out of it. But also, look, this is a company that's clearly trying to sell. Uh, I, I mean, you don't have Nick Khan going out there and doing all these press availabilities if you're not and, and talking about how we're not trying to sell. If you're not trying to put the word and the verb sell into the air. Um, and 
new the Japan front is no longer relevant, so it makes this as a cost cutting measure, and it's also a vestige of a problem that's no longer there. Now the problem is domestic. It's AEW. Yeah, and if you look at uh, if you look at New Japan's, for lack of a better term, attempt to expand here in North America, it's 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 an issue. It, it's there are growing pains within there. New Japan's strong. It's a good little show. Don't get me wrong. It has talent. You know, Daniel Garcia's on it. I believe Josh Walking Weapon. Um, but, but Daniel Garcia's on everything. Yeah, I mean they have people, but there's not. You know. Ticket sales are down. I mean, they they on this on this latest tour, they're doing a, a a show in Philadelphia at the former ECW arena. And MLW is outdrawing them in that building. They did that show here in LA. I was told there were people there, but it wasn't a lot of people there. Uh, you know, it's it's it, the market's saturated right now, especially with four, especially with so much television product from AEW now adding into the already expansive television product of WWE. I think new Japan America is going to be a failed experiment overall. Yeah, No, it has to be. I think a core part of new Japan America was having Kenny Omega and the young bucks as part of it. So like when we're talking about why new Japan America is failing part of your answer, a big part of your answer is AEW Uh, losing Shinsuke Nakamura was bad at the time, but that's more of a bad three years ago thing versus a bad right now thing because, like, Nakamura's kind of, like, on the downside. Ditto with Bauer. Bauer's still got some tread left on the tires, but, like, it's not as bad as losing the Bucks and Omega, who were really going to be the linchpins to making New Japan America something that, like, actually had the attempt to, like, maybe dent and, like, get some sort of network deal. Yeah, that's what I think. I think totally just derailed anything that they were going to be going for. And then they said, well, we have this now. We have to keep going with it. No, no, you don't. Uh, the training center will do. I mean, I like, no, there's... but like that, this is the nature of the sunk cost fallacy, man. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, it's, it's a broad based thing. You think, okay, we'll press ahead and we'll figure it out. But like when the circumstances change, the plan has to change too. And these aren't all just like replaceable cogs in a machine, losing a guy like Kenny Omega and the young bucks there aren't just like the Young Bucks tree that you can shake and get another tag team that can work at the level that you need to have a really good, successful North American expansion. The one under the radar positive for this, in my opinion, possibly, possibly, is that they decide they no longer need Kyrie Sane on the payroll as a goodwill ambassador to WWE Japan. And maybe, just maybe, she decides she wants to work again. And maybe, just maybe... She goes to a decent company like AEW. Maybe. I'm just just throwing that out I, there. Uh, although Kyrie Sane would absolutely keep taking the ambassador to uh, WWE Japan that is now defunct job just for the amusement of getting a check to be an ambassador to an organization that does not exist. Look, look there is nothing wrong with a no-show job and getting paid for. I am I am here for that kind of thing. Like, I, I would love to be the ambassador to a country that's no longer in existence. Let, let's make a deal, Hawkins. I'm going to pay you to not do a job for a company that doesn't exist. How much work do I have to do? Absolutely nothing. I don't know. Twisting my arm here. Ugh, you drive a hard bargain, though. I think I'm going to be all over that. Chris, I think, hey, that's a hell of a deal. That, other than getting bought out, 
which is my dream, as you well know. That that might be that might be that's a fantasy though. That is just pure. Like if my if my company went under and they continue to pay me, that's just too good. I might be scared by something like that. Uh, okay, so we're gonna end with the all-out preview. So let's do main roster NXT, and then we can fold in all our AEW stuff uh, on there. And a, a kind of a transition from Kyrie, if we want to. Let's talk Nia and Charlotte. Now, uh, no, you know, <laughs> when you're talking about great wrestling, Kyrie Sane and then Nia Jax come to top of mind. Well, there, there's a reason for, for the transition. Uh, you may recall that uh, Kyrie Sane would occasionally get concussed and hurt when facing either Nia or Charlotte. And there was at one time when Charlotte didn't realize that Kyrie was concussed and thought that she was being uncooperative. And so she started slapping around Kyrie Sane, which is a no-no. Well, no, now we get the two biggest bullies on the block, almost literally being uncooperative with each other in the middle of a nationally televised match in front of a sold out arena for raw. (laughs) This was preceded by Nia Jax just absolutely potatoing Rhea Ripley on a run-in. That clothesline, that wasn't a clothesline, that was a fist to the side of the head. I like Charlotte's physicality, but she can sometimes be uh, she can have some diva-ish qualities. Shawn Michael-esque Yes, we'll, we'll go with that. Nia is terrible. I'm going to say this. I've never been a worker. I know that this is uh, this is criticism that I should not be putting out there at all because I know nothing of what she does. I just know. No, no, that's wrong. You have been watching her work with a close critical eye for literally years since she was in NXT. For us to, I get that we're not workers, but we're also not just a person who paid a ticket for Raw who watches Raw every once in a while either. I'm sorry. Like, I I, I get having some respect, but at some point, some respect also has to be bequeathed to the people who watch this week in, week out with a critical eye. We've watched a lot of Nia Jax. She's not good. She's unsafe is is the big crime i mean she can be in a bad match and i'll watch it but but there were times where if i'm charlotte i'm punching her in the face and the slaps i hope were real but i mean if we get to the back and there's not there's not her there's not naya begging for forgiveness for doing that throw where charlotte's body was absolutely out of control at some point and she had to land at some point, and Nia didn't take care of her. If there wasn't at least begging on the knees, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, or let me buy you dinner or something, there better have been a, a punch in the face in the backstage thing, because this is the kind of crap that can't go on. I don't care how you feel about each other. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, look, uh, the is the person who puts together botchamania, Matthew, qualified to identify what is and isn't botches? I would say so. I I saw with my own two eyes what was very clearly an unsafe botch that at an indie show would probably get you hit with booze for being that unsafe. You you know, you you might break the show a little bit. Uh, Nia is unsafe at any speed. 
and absolutely like she should be given the Zia Lee treatment in my opinion and should have been given the Zia Lee treatment a while ago disappear I I don't disagree but like I said brought up in the uh, preamble this theme of raw and th- this first scene you had you had uh Damian Priest, Sheamus, Bobby Lashley uh and and Drew McIntyre all in the ring together at one time you had big big men and then you had the Viking Raiders getting involved with this and then you had Rhea, Nia and Charlotte all getting involved this was this was Vince somehow I, I think I, I do. I think this is branding. I think this is this. These are where the big boys play. <laughs> oh, oh God. This is where the big boys play. It, it totally is. No, this. No, I know. But like you go back to the WCW stuff to back in the day. WCW at the time when they signed Hogan and they signed Savage, which is kind of paradoxical, but like they like put that to the side with like, you know, the Giants and uh, Hogan and all. And even when Nash shows up and he goes, this is where the big boys play. The whole reason that branding the was adjective, brought about. Check the adjective. Check the adjective. Yeah, yeah, of course. Of course. <laughs> uh, but the whole reason that was brought about was because WWF at the time was pushing people like Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels, guys who were smaller. And, and WWF was going where the charisma was, where WCW, prior to the middle of 1996, was basically going with the big names and the big guys. So Hogan, yeah, he's a little bit older, but he's big and he looks like a wrestler. And Shawn Michaels couldn't stand side by side with him. And so we put him in the ring. The problem with that whole approach is that when everyone's about the same size, you lose a sense of scale. Yes. And... One thing WWE has going for them is that like Damian Priest is a good worker, Drew McIntyre is a good worker. Uh, that Sheamus, Drew McIntyre, and Damian Priest match, in my opinion, over delivered. But it still like you don't necessarily feel the size of Damian Priest, no. nor do you feel the size of Drew McIntyre, nor do you feel the size of Sheamus. So what you're really then dependent on is these big guys to work like little guys. And I just you know I don't know that you get the juice out of the squeeze with this lemon. When Drew does that somersault over the top rope in, say, an American Legion Hall in Reseda for Bola, everybody lost their crap seeing that. When he does it in the WWE, he looks like a guy doing a move onto another guy. That's that's the problem with the You know what that reminds me of? It reminds me of Mike Awesome. Mike yes. Awesome in yes. the ECW presentation. I remember when I saw him, you know, I was the right age and everything where this could really resonate. I saw him at like 13 or whatever doing some of those moves. And like, he's so big and Masato Tanaka is such a perfect foil. And those are such good matches um, that Mike Awesome looked like almost godlike. I was like, how is this guy not pushed the moon? He like really is awesome um, because he was doing all these big things. It, it worked with Rob Van Dam too. Scale matters. And it's one thing that I think WWE does not get at all because their only answer was scale is big as best. Meanwhile, uh, you got anything else for Raw that you want to talk about here? 
Hmm. Let me see real quick. I'm just gonna okay. Scan. Well, while you're doing that, uh, our boy okay. Dimples Carrillo once again oh, eviscerated by a uh, carrying cross. Like, okay, here's what I was thinking during the crossing. It's like they did with Dimples Carrillo what they should have done like weeks ago, but it's already too late for carrying cross, and this guy is dead on dead on arrival. I I don't I don't see this guy getting off the ground, and. Then, you know, look, Riddle and Randy Orton really over with people. Um, Omos stinks. Like, you can't get a good match out of this guy. Uh, but they're going to keep trying with him, but he stinks. He's big. And he's big. Yeah, <laughs> that's all you got going. And that's all I got for Raw. Raw stunk. Okay, now, sm- on SmackDown, we are still going with this. I call it an experiment. And, and or challenge for Becky Lynch. Becky Lynch has the challenge to be the heel. In this feud, Big Pop, when her music came on, comes down, takes a powder when it's time to challenge. They are trying their best to sweeten the audio with booze. They are trying, but it's not its not quite covering up all the... No, because the booze don't cover up the fact that she doesn't really do anything particularly heelish up until, like the end when she's like, I'm not going to have the match with you. And I think like if that's yeah. going to be their angle, the Turner heel, it's literally going to take months. It's too uh, multiple subtle. months. It's too, it, it's subtle, too subtle right subtle. now. Even because, four weeks is not yeah. going to be enough. It is literally going to take months as because, in six to eight weeks. Let me ask, let me ask you if you agree with this assessment, because I was watching that promo. She was saying about uh, what are you going to say? You weren't ready. That that's a attitude era, baby face promo straight out of a stone cold or rock type which is the, also the problem with her finishing move too it's one of those things that people are going to pop when she can do it out of nowhere and i i just i i see the wheels moving i see what she's trying to do and i respect it i i just don't think she's going to get there in time for extreme rules i i don't i think and i think i think bianca belair is being scripted like a dope it, it's it's she needs to be giving more because the crowd is, you know, she needs more fire in her, in her response to Becky. No, She's no, they, they screwed shucks. up already when, yeah. when they had Lynch duck out and then later Sonya Deville and Adam Pierce confront her and tell her she's definitely having the match at extreme rules. It pulls all the intrigue and all of the importance of the baby face chasing down Becky Lynch to get this match. Now the match has been booked. So that's like a major checkpoint that was accomplished without any real work done by the baby face herself. So it doesn't really give Bianca any sort of like point to grab on and kind of climb up and gain babyface sympathy because now she's been handed the match by management. Yeah. And, and on your point on dimples Carrillo, let's talk a little Montez Ford, even a little Bianca Belair, these, this new generation of stars. We got, I mean, we tried with Bianca with the title, but we really didn't get behind her all that much as a huge star presence. The whole, that whole thing was about Sasha and, who knows where Sasha is because one day Meltzer is being very, very coy because as we'll get to in the AEW all out preview, Andrade versus pack is off the card because Andrade has a quote, similar situation to Sasha. And I'm, I'm not sure what this is, but I'd like to, I'd like to eventually know why one of our biggest, I, I, I stars- mean, how, 
let, let's really kind of think about this just for a second here, all of us as a group, and really think about like what could possibly be the parallel scenario that Sasha Banks and this other person in a different promotion in a very different situation have. Of a different gender. Of a different gender. Do you think it's booking patterns? <laughs> I think it has to do with needles. Let's put it that way. Um, yeah, it's weird, but Montez Ford was spectacular in that whole Uso thing. I, I thought, I thought that was pretty good. Not the Roman Finn match for what it was. I mean, I, I hate this story, you know, it, because they do it so much. Heels come out, beat up the guy in there. They make him go through the match anyways. They almost give him away and he gets hit in the nuts. No, you know what the new thing I hate in, in the predictable WWE booking pattern is? The legwork. It, it, is that whenever the babyface who's going to lose needs to make the heel seem vulnerable, it's legwork. It's legwork. It's, it, it's legwork every single time. They kick the leg and then the heel favors the leg for a bit. And that's the hope spot. that they, they NXT. The main roster, it's always legwork. It's, it's the, the holes, same legwork. For me, it's the holes in logic that we have. We have authority figures, and the Usos come out, they beat up half of the main event. And then, oh, we're, we're not going to do nothing about that because, you know, who cares? Who, who's really paying attention to this yeah, stuff? The, the, the same group of authority figures who earlier in the night made sure to, like, ensure that Bianca Belair will have her match against Charlotte. Tony Storm at least made TV. Uh, it's, it's certainly an interesting angle with Rick Boogs and Nakamura and, uh, Dolph Ziggler. And I, I thought Ziggler trying to be the cool guy who's like, oh yeah, Rick Boogs is a great guy. Uh, like, like I, that, that was the only sort of fun thing of that was a little Smackdown it, high school going on. Yeah. A little yeah. Smackdown high school. Oh yeah. No real nice guy. I'm, I'm wishing him well and stuff. Yeah, sure. Um, look, uh, Boogs is connecting with people as, as you and I thought he would back in the day too. So like, this isn't a huge shock. I for me. underrated how much he'd, he'd connect on a main roster. I thought people would see through his inability to do stuff, but every time he's been in, I thought it was going to be a Mojo Raleigh situation. I no, thought I, I feel you, but like, I, I think Elias sort of gave us a roadmap of like, look, people like a baby face guitar character. And it, Boogs plays guitar better than Elias, even if I don't necessarily think like he's like a he he's an intermediate at best guitar player. He has one lick that he keeps going to. He does it every single time he opens up, um, and that Ottawa is hiding a lot of mediocre playing. But <laughs> uh, but like, look, he he the act is over with people going. Is enough for I mean, look, that's this is wrestling. Well, this there's, is not, there's two things. This is there's, not my guitar lessons, which you can get if you want. Uh, hit me up. There, there's two things that I think he has going for him. Number one, McAfee putting him over strong. I think that helps quite a bit to get on. The other thing is when he's been put in the big spot, he hasn't he hasn't been bad to me. He's shown power spots, which people will always be impressed with. Um, he's thrown people around. He, he's he's a there's a lot of and he's Steiner. got a look. No, you know, there's a lot of Billy Gunn there too. Uh, I, he's not as athletic as Billy Gunn. Billy Gunn is sneaky, you know, hops. He has like aerial stuff going for him. I, I view him more as kind of like a Rick Steiner, 
type. You know, he has the big beefy clotheslines and the suplexes and the power lifts and things like that. Yeah. Uh, we've been told where this Tony Storm story is going. Uh, if, if Vince does not interfere. Can, can I get a little canny here, Chris? I'm very excited to see where this goes. Yes. Let's see how this plays out, Kenny. That's your line. Don't blow your damn line. I only put you on the show to do the cliches, and you don't know the cliches, Kenny. Well, if you want, I could come and do a guest spot on the show next week if you'd like. I hear you need a no, 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 no. I'm, I'm very available. Would you like? I've been working on my stand up too. Would you like to hear some of it later? Sure. Actually, let's do it now. Let's hear your stand-up now, Caddy. Absolutely. Okay. So here, here. I recently. Thank you. First of all, you guys are all a terrific audience. It's it's great to be here tonight. Recently, I I was looking into getting a new job. You know, you know what job I was looking into getting? No. Cannabis farmer. Having a hard time dating lately, Jeff. Shut up. Shut up. Okay, shut well, up. you know, you know, I like to think of myself as a bit of a fruit. Cantaloupe. Oh, can't get it? Can't, can't, oh, cantaloupe. Geez, you prepped for this. Shut no. No more candy. I don't unless unless Cody wants to do it next week. You prepped oh my god. I can't. Oh, okay. NXT. The hell with this. Um yeah, as I was saying, it seemed like the theme of uh, Yellow Ropes uh, with, with sports entertainment was veterans v- being thrown in there with young kids of size. That, that's what's in that, that That Duke Hudson match went way too long for my liking. Way, way too, long. too long. No, I, I completely agree. Like, I, there's not, there, it was long. Hudson didn't show me anything. Working the leg. They working, working the, the leg. leg. Got to work the leg. Yeah, uh, yeah, it, 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 it was just, it was, it was a dirge is what it was. It, it just absolutely boring stuff. Kyle O'Reilly is just stuck, it, like, it, <laughs> nowhere, man, nowhere. Like, this is not a main event guy, and, and I don't think anyone thinks Kyle O'Reilly is any credible threat to challenge Samoa Joe and beat him. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We hype ourselves up thinking, "Ah, maybe I can pull a Ken Griffey Jr. rookie card. But with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view of all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now, when I buy Slab Packs at Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. I was able to open an Arena Club slab pack, and and I'll be honest, it was a lot better than what you normally do. Say you go to a card show, and there's a random innocuous brown bag of cards, and yeah, you can open it, and look, it's going to be junk. You're, you, you know what I mean? Like You know what you're probably going to get in those. Maybe you find that fun, and sometimes I do. Sometimes I like just opening up cards and saying, oh, hey, look at some random cards or whatever, but if you're really in this game to, to find value and find particular cards... It sucks to have to buy these mystery packs, and it ends up being, you know, almost nothing, you know, nothing of value. Not with Arena Club. 
You can display, again, of all available cards, hit rates, grading. So you know that when you're opening up the slab pack, you are going to get something valuable. You are getting something good. And Arena Club, in addition to having those great slab packs we just talked about, is also a marketplace for card collecting, buying, trading, selling, displaying, all that sort of stuff. But those Arena Club slab packs, man, they are revolutionizing the repack game with transparency. After your polls are revealed, they'll immediately be placed in your vault for safekeeping or trading and selling. And you can have them officially graded by Arena Club as well. So again, setting these things off, it's going to be officially graded by Arena Club. And the Arena Club grading process is accurate, fast, and transparent with full grade rationale provided and explanation of how your card was scored. So whether you're buying, selling, trading, or displaying... Arena Club is the card collecting platform that you have to check out. So right now, I've got a special offer here for Voices of Wrestling Network listeners. You can get 10% off of your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash V-O-W net. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W net. Now, that's a crazy offer. That's 10% off a $400 slab pack. $40 off right there. 10% off your first purchase. No matter what that purchase is, 10% off again that's arena club.com slash vow net arena club.com slash vow net for 10 percent off your first purchase on arena club and we thank them for sponsoring the voices of wrestling podcast network and I mean, that's part of the problem with belting joe too is it's like now people are going to want joe to hold on to the title uh like you know, you, you have to have a heel come in and beat him um, and just try to get heat on him. like But like that leaves Kyle O'Reilly nowhere. Gargano and LA Knight was uh, was a match that happened. Derek, or Dexter Loomis is fine being a presence. You know, I, I'm fine with him. I, I, <laughs> I, I even, I, I gotta be honest, I even enjoy all the Gargano family stuff. Like, yes. I, yeah, I, I, I enjoy it. I, like, I think it's funny. Like, I think Gargano's funny and like, uh, index is stupid, but like whatever. Like I, I get what it is, and it is what it is, and all of that's fine. It's just that like this isn't yielding interesting matches in the ring. No, it's not, and also not, not being interesting is RKEO in the back. <laughs> Uh, no, no, but but the the worst part about that was Zoe Stark with this. I would take a bullet for Io Shirai thing. And like, I hate you. Yeah, what? I hate. Yeah, I know. A response to that. That's the only way this story needs to play out at this point for me is Zoe Stark turns on EO because she's like, I have tried with you, dude. I, I man, I really tried with you. A and, sympathetic and, heel. <laughs> she's gonna be like, you can make Zoe Stark a sympathetic heel. Okay. I, I, I think it, the, the problem, too, is that live audience, it, it, they saw this with Mandy Rose. Live audience has got a mind of its own here, too. Oh, and so, yeah, WWE is going to really be kind of booking against the wind here a little bit. The origin story of Mandy Rose's two-face. <laughs> the survey drop kicks. I, I kind of howled at it, but it's just like if, if she... Rumor is it's it's gonna be it's to get her out for a nose job, but if they bring her back as like Harvey Dent, I'm kind of here. For that. <laughs> Just half her face is scarred. <laughs> Look at me, I used to be. She, so she does a Mal- she does a Malachi Black thing, yeah. and she has like yeah, like the blacked out eye. Sure, why not? But let's go camp with her because because 
I don't, I don't think either of the two. No, because uh, to that point, it would be the only way it would make the two goons coherent with the leader of the yes. squad. Because yes. right now the goons don't make any sense. So Mandy needs to be like Twisted Mandy or something. Yeah. Uh, but the other half of that EO promo, <laughs> the lollipop guild of Caden Carter. And We're Casey best Kadzer. friends and it's not an act. It's not an act. Even though we talk like we've never met each other in our entire lives and I hug just to make it look like we're actually friends, even though she's not reciprocating on the hug. All that, but it is Mysterio Family Theater. That's what this is. I think they're members of the Mysterio family. They're awful. Uh, they're Kaden terrible. Car- Kaden Carter is just being dragged down into oblivion in this <laughs> act. And I got to tell you, Raquel Gonzalez kind of stinks too. Like she's not bad in the ring, but this I character. Like, see, I like stinks. these people. I liked Casey and 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 Caden for a while, and now it's just they've they haven't progressed since I liked them. And the same with Raquel Gonzalez in many ways. I mean, I liked the Kaylee Ray sit down. I thought that <laughs> I can think of this. Yeah, she's gonna have a few extra syllables in there. Uh, you know, she's Scottish. It's gonna happen. But uh, I I think I think I think Raquel's gonna need to raise her game. To stay on the stick with, with no, I, and I and I just see the crowd maybe turning on this. Like yeah. when they do when they do this, I see the crowd going with Kaylee as the face and Raquel as the heel, and that's in part because of unsteady. I like to call it regional booking. Yeah, regional booking, <laughs> Canny. That's that's exactly what's going on there. Canny will be at Kazi's on Friday night in Newport News. Um. Then we get to NXT UK. I didn't have anything else for NXT. Did you? Uh, I don't have anything. Okay. Nathan Frazier. The Jake Atlas of NXT UK. The kid who could have had the world on a silver platter. AEW begging him, begging him to come in. Hot match on AEW Dark. Losing to Teo. In this Commonwealth Cup contenders match. The problem I have with WWE, amongst many, because it's a list. We take young stars, we hype them up, and we beat them, and we beat them, and we beat them, and we beat them, and we wonder, when we decide to push them finally, why nobody cares about them. See Humberto Carrillo. See Angel Garza, who has disappeared from television. See Montez Ford, who was stuck in mid-card tag team for feuds up until now. See Nathan Frazier. See Tyler Bate. I I just, you know, we almost had it with uh, Ilya Dragunov. Dragunov came very very close in that in that in 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 the rebuild to just be look. You're whining. I'm tired of it. You know, I'm I'm sick of it. Kind of thing. With people turning on, I think, you know, the whole. He had to go through Gallus type of feud could have killed Ilya Dragunov very, very easily. If it were in front of a live crowd, we're lucky it wasn't, but why, why are we beating Nathan Frazier like this? That's what I don't get. I mean, why are we not making a star out of him? Uh, Any thoughts or no? I, look, you're more down on Teoman than I am. I actually really like Teoman. What I call him? I call him Manteo. You called call him Teo. Teo. Call you him just Teo. called him Teo. No, I was, uh, thinking, I was thinking Manti Teo, formerly it, it, of Notre Dame, who had the invisible girlfriend. 
for a while if you remember that story yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah that's right no that's i right. like i like i like tail man no lot. i i think he's got i think he's got a lot to offer i just wouldn't have had nathan frazier in this match i get that you need to build them up you need to build tail on up to beat tyler bay pointing like, to his eye and stuff y- yeah look i i <laughs> I, I liked him more before he had the hench guy too. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I, I just I liked before him. Before he became Alistair Black slash cult leader. Yeah, he was more fun when he was like chaotic neutral. Mm-hmm. Like, like, and, and I actually think like that's a really cool space for him particularly to occupy. Um, and I think it works, especially with the way they tape NXT UK. You can actually keep the character there at that chaotic neutral thing. Uh, I'm actually, I'm interested in the Teoman versus bait match. So like, that's cool for me, but, uh, I don't, I mean, look, Nathan Frazier made mistakes here. Mistakes were made by Nathan Frazier. Mistakes uh, were made. Yeah. That's all I can say. On the same show where you have Jack stars and, uh, Dave Mastiff, who I, <laughs> I like as a team. I'm not going to lie. They're, they're a fun little team to watch. Saxon Huxley has to find two partners to go against, uh, I like to call him the team formerly known as a hunt uh, symbiosis, Eddie Dennis. Uh, I'm so, Tyson T-bone Tyson, and T-bone. the gorilla and, or, and, uh, the, and the primate. Uh, primate. Uh, yeah. Very sad that the wild boar has not made his magnificent return yet to get his revenge. It saddens me. I'm hoping he's getting new teeth. But like Boar and Huxley would actually be a fun tag team too. They so would. Like, I, yeah, I'm in for that. But if you are Saxon Huxley, on my on my radar is most improved in 2021. You're looking around the NXT UK Performance Center for winners, winners to help you take on this team of symbiosis. You're looking around, you're seeing guys working out. You have Sam Gradwell. You have your Jack Stars and Dave Mastiff. You even have Gallus if you wanted to take a couple of those boys into a fight with you. But here's the thing about all those guys. None of those guys, none of them, not a single one of them, is friends with Kofi Kingston. Bootleg <laughs> Kofi, a the former WrestleMania champion, Kofi Kingston, Oliver, what's his face? They're buds. <laughs> Oliver, what's his face? Bootleg Kofi and Whoop guy. Really, we're gonna we're gonna do this again. I I thought we were breaking them up. Originally, they, they, whoop. <laughs> I thought we were breaking this team up with, with the, he couldn't make it today or whatever. Nope. We're back to being friends. Okay. Saxon Huxley should, should just go it alone. <laughs> At this point, it's better than having these two in his corner. Yeah. Okay. Good. I guess I, I, I weep for the future of NXT UK because we got Tyler Bate and mustache mountain, just doing a lot of nothing. I think Noam Dar's pretty good. I think this women's division lost a lot with Kaylee Ray leaving. But, you know, you got Mako and Ginny in there, and then you have whatever the hell they're going to do with Nathan Frazier. But I just I don't see a future in this thing. And I like a lot of these matches. Yeah, that's the thing. is like I don't see a future in it. I mean, I'll watch it until they shut it down because it tends to ha- yield good matches and, like, it's not overproduced or anything. And so people go in there and they have – They'd have a good look, uh, you, you know, uh, the ML and uh, Shazza McKenzie match, not like not transcendent, but like quality. Like, they, yeah. They, you know, yeah, like it was it was a quality match. Um, it, it's what I want out of an hour of wrestling thing going from things. I'm a little down on to things I am excited about. We are transitioning to AEW. 
had another good week in terms of the ratings as well. Look, Raw and SmackDown, I think SmackDown was up and NXT was up. Everybody was up across the board, which is a good thing. Now, we may be down on the product, but I'm happy to see viewership. Viewership's going to die once football starts, I think, in terms of Monday nights. And and Raw still has some underlying fundamentals that concern you, like the fact that they only hit 1.9. Like, that's not, that's not, I mean, up, yes. But you really want to see them above two. Uh, one point, I, I was taking heat for this earlier this week. There's a difference between 1.9 and 2, and it's more than 100,000. There's something like, and, and executives look at it the same way. There's a difference between 900,000 and 1 million. And, and executives don't just think of it as another 100,000. It's more than that to them. Um, this downward trend that WWE is on is a problem for them. Yeah, uh, but we are going to our all-out uh, preview show I'm very excited about. We will do a little Dynamite and Rampage talk as we go along because I think everything we want to hit is uh, is within this. Sorry, I was responding to a note somebody got. But we have, let's see, 10 matches total, including your pre-show. Again, Andrade, El Idolo, and Pat was originally scheduled. is now off the card. The Casino Battle Royale being upgraded to the main card. And we start with a 10-man tag team match for the pre-show. Best friends, Orange Cassidy, Chuck Taylor, Wheeler Yuta, and the Jurassic Express of Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus with Marco Stunt, who got sprayed in the face, something fierce, and somehow recovered, versus the Hardy Family Office, the Masters of Evil of AEW, where every single B-villain goes to join. You have Matt Hardy, private party of Isaiah Cassie and Mark Quinn and the hybrid two, my, one of my favorite tag teams and Helico and the vastly underutilized on the stick, Jack Evans, Chris, is there any possibility other than the best friends winning this and giving the people what they want at the end? Yeah. I, I don't see why the Hardy family office would win this and the Hardy family office does not need the win. And this is an opener match. So yeah, of course the best friends are winning. Okay, cool, cool, cool. I think uh, I think Jungle Boy will get the pin to make up for the fact that they are not in the tag team match later. Uh, a, a mistake, I might add. If we're, if we're talking about booking pattern mistakes going into this pay-per-view, and I, I want to get some of those in, look, I, I just think while Pentagon and – or Penta and Phoenix are great wrestlers and Penta, you know – Certainly knows how to turn. He knows how to have big match Penta matches still. Yes. Um, I'm sure they will have a big match. But uh, Jungle Boy, this pay-per-view is Mondo. And it, uh, Danielson's going to be at this pay-per-view. Like, eyes are going to be on this pay-per-view. This is such a great time to make Jungle Boy. And there's no need to make Phoenix. And there's no need to make Penta. Because there's no plan to elevate them any higher in the card than maybe tag team champions at some point, maybe as early as this show. But like that's where they're slotted on this card and where they should be slotted because now you have people like Punk and Danielson who are main eventers who need to be in main event type types of positions. So Jungle Boy is the only person in that tag division that I see who really should be getting heated up to eventually make the rise to be working with a Punk to be working with a Danielson. And it should be happening on this show, which is going to be a landmark milestone show. So I do think that it is a mistake going into this show that it's not Penta 
and Phoenix in this match and Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus, I guess, in the cage match. I, you know, after watching Dynamite in that main event, my issue with Penta is he has an on and off switch that you definitely see. And that first half, the he, first he's half like of, a Nakamura type. I, 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 yeah, I call him snarkly sports entertainment Penta because he's doing the Sarah Miedo, uh just over and over and over again. And then halfway through the match, he decides, oh yeah, I need to show people what I'm known for. I don't fear Penta like I used to. He's not a presence. Like I know he's become a kind of a sing-along act and I'm, I'm, I'd like to see him go back to his route to be that scary monster that looked in my eyes in a American Legion hall and made me fear for my life. That's what I want out of Penta. Yeah, dude. I remember him being legitimately like the first time I saw him was on Lucha underground when I was being a, you know, a reviewer for Lucha underground. I was like, Oh, Whoa, who is this guy? He's like, freaky i think like, this dude legitimately has a screw loose like he's one of these hardcore wrestlers who like really likes the part where they're bleeding all over the place like i remember that vampiro and pentagon jr match that was that was intense that dude was going all out and like you know it, it, this version of penta it, it's wwe nakamura for me i i if, if you like it i get it but that also sort of tells me that you're not really familiar with nakamura's new japan work in the casino battle royal we'll talk about the cage match in a little bit uh because it may go on last I, i'll ask you what match you think goes on last after we talk about the battle royal right now we have 21 competitors already booked with the possibility of a tbd i i am of the opinion that your joker is going to be Ruby Soho, so I'm going to include her in this lineup, but Nyla Rose, Thunder Rosa, The Bunny, Big Swole, Julia Hart, Tay Conte, Diamante, Penelope Ford, Red Velvet, Hikaru Shida, Emi Sakura, Jade Cargill, Kiera Hogan, Abaddon, Layla Hirsch, Kylan King, Rebel, Jamie Hayter, Anna Jay, who returned on Wednesday, Riho, who was announced, I believe, via social media, Sky Blue, who was Announced during the dark tapings, I believe Tony Khan said you will be. She, he impressed her so much. She'll be in the thing and TBD, who I assume will be Ruby Soho. I will put it to you this way, Chris: Who is going to be the one of the twenty-two who will not be making it into this battle royal? And then who is your winner who will get a chance to face the winner of Britt Baker slash Chris Statlander? Oh God, it could be anyone. I'm going to say Kira Hogan. Uh, yeah, uh, sorry, Kira. Just for fun, Chris. I, I'm just, I'm just, just singling her out. It's Hogan. It's gotta be Hogan. I am gonna go with Rebel. I think she is the least necessary in this whole thing, unless they're gonna do a hater Rebel. Can they get along with? Well, Dr. I think Rebel probably is in this because after the hater and Brit left Rebel out to dry spot in the rampage setup here tonight. I think there's probably going to be some more falling out between Rebel and Hater, and that there needs to be a little bit more tension kind of built out for there. I can also see them getting Thunder Rosa out of here so that you don't beat her even after the Wednesday beatdown type of thing. This way she doesn't have to get eliminated in the Rattle Royal. I could see that happening here. Uh, who do you have winning? Because I also have Thunder Rosa possibly winning this whole thing and going after Britt Baker again. But uh, I will let you go first with your winner. I'm going to go hater. Uh, I think wow. that, ha- yeah, I, I, I mean, this look. soon to, to start doing the tension with, uh, with, Brit? okay, well, 
Well, no, thank I'm, you. I'm, I'm no, 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 no. I'm with you. I'm with you on this, and I'm glad you brought this up. Look, um, as I brought up last week, and I'm uh, people apparently paid attention to, Britt Baker is not a regional babyface. She's a national babyface, and her face turn should be completed. The addition of Jamie Hayter as the heavy, and also the fairly heavy foreshadowing about the tensions between Hayter and Britt Baker, coupled with this further foreshadowing tonight on Rampage, where Hayter leaves Rebel out to dry, suggests that Hayter is very much in it for herself. Um, I, I think that it is time to turn Britt Baker face, which is what I was saying about the Britsburg incident in turning Red Velvet heel. Because Red Velvet, I don't know if you've noticed, has not recovered back to uh, She was Nash- booed tonight. She was booed tonight yet again. At, at, uh, uh, at dark tapings, yeah. It's just, it's just a regional heel. It's just a regional thing. Um, <laughs> and, and that was my point at the show. It's not about belting Red Velvet, a person who's probably not ready for the belt. It's about turning Britt Baker face and a way to do that is screwing her out of the title. There are many ways to do that, but the obvious, obvious project at this point and the tension that the crowd is not going along with. And this is the most important reason why I make this case about turning red velvet heel and turning Britt Baker face. You got to go with the flow of your crowd and stop booking against where the audience is at the audience, not booing Malachi black. You're going to have to try harder. If you're going to keep doing that, the alley audience, not booing Britt Baker. They are booing red velvet. If you want red velvet to be a face, if you you think that that's right i hope you have some sort of plan in your mind as to how red velvet becomes a baby face again because i'm not seeing it right now ditto with Britt baker they would have to try a hell of a lot harder and really book against what their fan base wants to have Britt baker continue to be a heel that was my point last week that point has only been bolstered week in week out with the way that Britt baker is received by the audiences when she comes out and the way red velvet is received by the audiences when when she comes out so yeah i would have hater win this because they've been booking in the wrong direction with Britt baker for weeks now and it's time to realize that they've made a mistake and correct the error i see one of three people winning this it's either going to be the returning anna j because we're going to try and see what we have with the new kid it's going to be time that time to heat up reho again because they love reho in this is Ty Conti in this uh Tay Conti is in this battle royale. Uh, might be her, might be her. But I'm gonna go with someone that is going to make this whole your whole Britt Baker rant more difficult. Going with Jade Cargill. I think they're gonna make her the number one contender so that you so that you're gonna continue to get these cheers for Britt Baker. But they want somebody that you can actually boo against Britt Baker. So I think they're going to go with Jade Cargill here. Well, that'll be just great for Jamie (laughs) Hayter, won't it? Because surely along the way here, there will never be a match wherein Jamie Hayter has to go up against Jade Cargill. Um, so I, I, that, that's a, that would be a very you know, smart choice. I, might, I, 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 might I think they should do mind. that. I might need to change my mind. Uh, man, Tay Conti would be interesting. I, I think it's going to be. And, and once again, you're in the cul-de-sac where Tay Conti, who is just starting to get heat up is now going to go up against the mit, the meat grinder. That is regional heel Britt Baker. No, screw it. Let's give Ruby Soho the win. 
That's that would be it. a smart move too. That'd be a I, smart I mean, move. I, 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 if there's any chance in actually keeping her heel or actually getting some sort of a heel reaction out of Britt Baker, and I'm not convinced that there is, Ruby Soho with yeah. these phenomenal video packages they've been giving her might actually be able to be an underdog to play against Britt Baker's ill casting right now. Yeah, I, I, I'll go with Ruby Soho, and I think it's going to finally it's finally going to write the fact that Britt Baker's a heel and get her to stop being cheered. I think that's that's the right move. Up next, John Moxley versus Satoshi Kojima in a singles match. I think this is just going to be a, uh, a carbon copy of John Moxley versus um, uh, Blue Army. Uh, older guy that they brought in from New Japan. And I, for some, I had his name written down and I forgot it all. Yuji Nagata. Yuji Nagata. Thank you. Blue Army older guy. Uh, I'm sorry. I, that's all I could remember. Um, look, as I get older, my memory goes, Chris. I'm sorry. Uh, I th- Moxley, of course, wins this. It's going to be hard hitting. All that other stuff. I am not the biggest Kojima fan in the world. I will admit, you know, the the, the tag team in New Japan was kind of middling on the years that I was really addicted to him. I didn't. I saw him in his prime, and I loved him. We're getting older, Kojima. This will be a good match. I think it'll be. I think the crowd will like it. I'm not sure they will love it, but they'll be very respectful of the veteran as they are want to be. This is a very ECW type of crowd. And I think Moxley goes over fairly strong, and maybe we get a hint of who's next in the New Japan canon to come face John Moxley. Yeah, I, I think that's exactly how it's going to go. And, and, and there's nothing wrong with having a predictable match. Kojima should not win this match. Correct. And there should be a respect gesture at the end of this, and it keeps Moxley looking strong, and that's great. Paul White versus QT Marshall with Aaron Solo and Nick Camarado in his corner. I'll tell you, this is the match I'm looking the most forward to on the show. I got to be honest. I I know there are other things on the card, but this one's going to be a hot one. Well, what I want you to talk about was your anger at the gun club turn because you didn't like that at all. Yeah, okay, so this is another one that has been, let's be real here, in in objective measure, not booked very well. Uh, The match last week on Rampage featured the Gun Club, and uh, it was Gun Club going up against QT Marshall. The The Gun Club pinned QT Marshall going into this week's Dynamite. So they needed to do something to get QT's heat back. Uh, presumably QT would have some sort of plan up his sleeve. That's not really what happened here though. Like the gun club came in and they attacked Paul white, but they walked off and they walked past QT and they didn't really do a meaningful acknowledgement of QT. Could they retcon this, I guess going into the show and say that now the gun club is aligned with QT Marshall. Yeah probably a week late for that right like there are some real question marks of like are the gun club just doing their own thing now or are they actually aligned with qt marshall and the nightmare factory or whatever he's calling his thing now uh that that was left open so i thought this added an unnecessary third character into this story that's supposed to be between paul white and qt marshall it didn't really do a good job of getting qt's heat back and it would have been much more intriguing to leave the question open of how is QT going to somehow win this match or like what is QT's plan going into this pay-per-view you've instead removed that intrigue and Paul White's hurt and so we know what QT's plan is exploit the hurt guy at the pay-per-view far less interesting if you wanted to do the beatdown 
do the beatdown right prior to the match. Doing it here didn't add more intrigue to the match. It made the idea that QT Marshall is going to win this match seem all the more likely. And if Paul White somehow ekes this out, it makes QT Marshall look like a total goober because he got pinned going into this match and he got pinned in this match. That's not good for them. And Paul White does not need to be winning this match. So you really wanted to make Paul White look strong going into this match, not QT Marshall. I think the two kids should have jumped Billy Gunn and then jumped Paul White. I don't think Billy Gunn needs heat at 56 years old. I think his kids need to be pushed a little bit to see what they can do as opposed to that. They My, make sense as heels. Like, yes. I mean, you, you look at them and they're, they're not baby faces, they're heels. So I'm fine with them as heels. I just, I I'm with you. Like, why does Billy Gunn need the heat? And, and why does he need the heat of all things going into a match that he's not in? That said, I think QT Marshall finds a way to screw Paul White out of this, and maybe Mark Henry makes the save. Maybe. But I do believe the gun club get involved, and we call QT Marshall a bastard, and we move on, and this feud must continue. That's my opinion. Yeah, I think you're probably right about Mark Henry, too. That Henry comes down, and that's how this feud evolves. Chris Jericho versus MJF with the stipulation that if Jericho loses... He must retire from in-ring competition, and he has said he is going into the commentary booth. Now, to get this one in real quick, I liked the MJF promo. I loved the FTR Proud and Powerful tag team match. A few hiccups in there a little bit, but uh, overall, I thought that match was sublime. I thought it was really, really good. I really enjoyed it. Dear God, do not let Chris Jericho lose this match because I don't want to hear him on commentary on every show. Doing the his- worst part was tonight when he was being self-referential about the fact that he's just going to scream into the microphone every time he's on commentary. He says, I'm going to walk back to that commentary desk on Wednesday. I went, God, you're making me want to root for you. Don't no. do this to me. And it was, it was a great promo or whatever from Jericho by his standards. But uh, the the threat of him on the microphone, I, I like. he's bad. He's bad on commentary. I, he doesn't. He doesn't play a character that's really constructive on the babyface side of the ledger, nor on the heel side of the ledger, and he doesn't do play-by-play. Like he is just absolute screaming and and just like added noise to a boot that's already loaded with too many people. There's a chance that this show might have a lot of overbooking, and I think this this match is going to be one of them. And I think Sammy Guevara is somehow getting involved with this to help Jericho win. Yes, and then that sets up the MJF Sammy feud. Yes. Yeah, okay, that makes sense. Sure. At least then Sammy will be sparing us from uh Chris Jericho on commentary. I think the stipulation should be if he wins, he's never allowed to do commentary again. <laughs> yes. And what is my favorite feud and my favorite build on this card? And God tonight got me so hyped for this match because your boy Hawkins here. He loves being talked into the building and he loves him some promos and two of the best in AEW right now are doing promos are Miro and Eddie Kingston. Miro is locked in to this born from God enforcer type, you know, religious zealot Eddie Kingston pretty fantastic with both the crowd work and, and the reply and, and making it seem like a fight. I am hyped. I am stoked. And I want Miro to stay champion. I, I love Eddie Kingston. Don't get me wrong. I don't think he should take the belt away from Miro. I, I like, I, I think Miro's too good right now. 
I agree. I think Kingston needs to take Miro to the limit. I think Kingston's plan needs to be shown to be effective. But I don't think Kingston needs to win this belt right now. Uh, I think Kingston is a guy who absolutely should get main event title pushes and stuff. Like, look, the guy's guy's just a transcendent talent. It, you you want to see this guy up against CM Punk. You want to see this guy up against Danielson. You want to see this guy. Up you want to see this guy talk in that just, beard. Yeah, yeah. And, and, oh and, wait, Miro or Eddie Kingston? I'm talking about Kingston. Okay, yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm Eddie, yeah. Eddie Kingston is going to be able to talk his way into any main event any feud. A, any main event feud and, and get you to want to see that match. And you know what? He'll work his ass off in the match. He's not like is he like you know a five star in ring guy? No, but like he he tells a great story. He uh, you know he's definitely giving and he's definitely willing to get and like I I really like I really, just really enjoy Eddie Kingston's promos. I thought tonight, yeah, no, it was great. Um, obviously, you know, like redeem these nuts. Sure, that was funny too. <laughs> I want a uh, shirt. But, I want a shirt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, like it was just it was everything. It because a lot of that stuff was just flowing, and he was reading the crowd and stuff, and sort of flowing. When he got like a little bit of oh, don't say that about God. Like Kingston's like, all right. I'm going further on it. Uh, like I, I it, well, not only that, he does that. He's wearing multiple rosary beads, so he's talking about Miro's <clears> got. <throat> but he's he's bringing in the simping for the atheist, as I say. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, it, uh, so <laughs> someone pointed out that uh, that uh, yeah, he said, "I don't believe in your God," and then he took off multiple rosary beads to go beat up Miro. Uh, he's, he's, just, he's just hedging his bets, which I love. You know, uh, uh, hey, Pascal's wager is still very popular. So, do you have Miro keeping the title? Yeah, I got Miro keeping the title. I, I just, I don't think that it makes sense for Eddie Kingston to win the belt right now. So, I, I think Miro's got to win. Doctor Britt Baker, DMD, taking out with Rebel and probably uh, Jamie Hader, unless she wins this battle royal. Versus Chris Statlander for the AEW Women's World Title. It's not time to take the title off of Britt. I'm sure, Chris will have a decent match. I am. I'm not the biggest Chris Statlander fan. Um, I just don't want them to get too cute on the spots. That's the, all. I, the I wanna... only intrigue for me is: does the crowd actually embrace who's the babyface and yeah. who's the role, who's yeah. the heel here, um, or do they not understand the regional rule? <laughs> are harping on this region i am going well look i just want to make sure people understand where i'm coming from so what match goes on last the tag team match in the cage cm punk and darby allen or omega and cage man if you don't close with punk and darby allen you're doing it wrong i i think i mean i just i think that cage and omega will flounder trying to follow punk and darby and like the close of this show needs to be Darby and Punk and CM Punk's music playing and pumping through the stadium. Crowds going crazy. It stings in there. Punk shakes, stings hand. Punk shakes Darby's hand. Like that needs to be the close of this show. Okay. Um. And and you also have to still plan someplace to have Danielson's debut here somewhere in the middle of the show. Then we'll do that last. Uh, we'll go with the steel cage match for the AEW world tag team titles. The young bucks of Matt Jackson and Nick Jackson with Brandon Cutler, probably taking on the Lucha brothers, Penta zero Mero, and, or I'm saying that wrong, probably. And Ray Phoenix. I don't, I'm not good with Spanish. I'm sorry. And Alex Abrahantes. I think the Lucha brothers are your new tag team champions. I think they're transitional champs. I think it's a way to get it off of, 
the the Bucks, and then eventually the Lucha Brothers, I think, lose to Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus, probably, or maybe Proud and Powerful, or somebody. I think it's time for the Young Bucks to lose the titles, though. I I think so as well. Um, I, I mean, I think we need to have a decline of the elite angle going on here at some point because you just need to open up the main event picture to have things beyond the elite and Kenny Omega. You now look the elite Kenny Omega, Cody Rhodes were really essential for when they were launching this brand, but now they have other big stars that they're bringing in CM Punk, Brian Danielson, Adam Cole. Uh, you have other people you want to build inside of the company, Jungle Boy, for example. And it is important to start getting the elite downcycled out of the main event picture and driving so much of the narrative because I think the ratings are going to start to show this too. CM Punk is the bigger draw, and so more narrative needs to be pushed through him. And in order to do that, that's going to require television time being taken from other things and right now one of the biggest in my opinion time sucks is like the kenny the obligatory kenny omega and young bucks and cyrus the virus promo that we get every week so you have lucha brothers winning this as well yeah yeah i do i do speaking of the elite kenny omega your aew world champion taking on christian cage now Everybody and their mother thinks this is a foregone conclusion that Kenny Omega is going to be Christian Cage. What is your percentage that Cage wins this? Oh, that's interesting. I still got it pretty low because I think, especially if you've got Penta and Phoenix gain the titles and you're thinking Jungle Boy is going to become a tag team champion. Here's my twist. I think he does it with Christian, not Luchasaurus. Okay, that, that'll work too. I'll take that. I'm I'm intrigued by this because everything screams Kenny Omega in just a rout and a decent match. Don't get me wrong. If I'm Tony Khan, I at least have it in the back of my head that maybe I just give them the biggest swerve in the world and I put this title on Christian and then I have Christian lose to Hangman or to Punk. Or I mean, Danielson. it would be it would be a really bold move to make would the be fall of, to make the fall of the elite happen at all out when no one sees it coming. To have the one two punch of the Bucks and Omega both lose the titles yes. like back to back. I mean, that be I mean, especially with like Danielson coming and the Punk match. You're talking about putting so much news and, and this is a big milestone pay per view. So like, this would be the time to do it. Making K- Christian Cage a double champion, a bold move, but Christian Cage has shown that he can do the type of matches that they need, especially to get this. He's going to be a transitional champion here, y'all. Um, To get them through wherever they're trying to get to, he's totally the right guy to do it. He's a trusted hand, and when you want to get the belt off him to build your next big heel or whatever to set up the Danielson, the Punk sorts of feuds and stuff, Cage is the right guy to have that kind of match, and he'll be super sympathetic. I, I, I don't hate the move. Um, I'm pessimistic that it's going to happen just because my gut says like jungle boy is going to be cruising to the tag titles here at some point, they're going to be late on it, but like, they're going to get there. And I tend to think, look, we've seen Luchasaurus and we've seen a lot of Luchasaurus and he's not bad, but he's <laughs> Chris, not great. I've got to cut you off. I'm trolling everybody. The chances of that happening are 10%. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Although it, it did cross about, yeah. Kenny Omega is winning this. 
and he's got to continue to be the champion. Um, <laughs> although I'm looking forward to this match a little bit more than most. I Christian Cage is very, very good, but there, uh, to me, I, I watch him and I go. It, it, my problem with watching Christian matches a lot of times are he's doing the moves very smoothly, but there's no bad intent on the moves. You know what I mean? It's it's like it it doesn't feel like he's putting any malice into these moves that he's doing. It feels like he's just kind of doing the moves. Although I do like Christian yeah. a lot. So. Yeah, no, I, I'm with you. I mean, he's got to kind of work from baby face, you know, kind of angle. But, like, I guess the, the real proof in the pudding there would be, like, if he goes heel, do, do those snap suplexes have a little bit of a snarl on them? Or are they still kind of the thing that he's doing right now? They're very, as you're, as you're saying, smooth, safe. They look good. They're formally correct. But they don't necessarily have any stink on them. CM Punk versus Darby Allen, and we'll probably close the night out. I expect this to close the night out. I expect at the end of the night that probably 2.0 and Daniel Garcia come out and try and pummel everybody who's participating in this match. And maybe, maybe Daniel Bryan makes the save. Da- Brian Danielson, sorry, don't want to use his WWE name any longer. Chris, it's your returning legend who gets you all the buzz in his hometown or vast or near it, Rosemont. Illinois, near Chicago, suburban Chicago, versus your hottest young star. Probably. And I mean, unless you consider Adam Page a young star, and he is, but I mean, just the guy who is bringing you a lot of juice in this promotion. Do you have the balls to beat CM Punk in Rosemont to end your first pay-per-view? And are you able to pull off a mutual respect handshake at the end? I don't know. I've thought about this, but I think Darby Allen goes over on this match. Boy, if they do that, if they do that, it would be a major mistake. Really? Yes. Darby is a made man. He has his best friend, Sting. Uh, He's already got the respect of CM Punk. The whole premise of this match is that Punk wants to have a match with Darby Allen because he's got so much respect for Darby Allen. He came down and he made the save on Darby Allen tonight. Uh, this is all about elevating Darby Allen. He doesn't need to win this match to be elevated. Okay. They made it very, very clear on that front. And I think that this match, uh, because he'll be sort of like a soft heel during this match, gives Darby an opportunity during the middle of this match here to show a bit of an additional mean streak and show what like that next level that he's got in him. But at the end of the night here, the right answer is to be playing in the background. Crowd's going crazy. CM Punk 2.0 comes down there, gets a GTS, gets a coffin drop, gets a stinger death drop. Maybe Brian Danielson comes down there too. And the crowd's going, yes, yes, well, yes. Well, Sting's yes, not going to be at ringside, remember. But this is at the end of the night. Okay. This is after the match is over. And Fair CM Punk has won. Now okay. Sting comes down to the ringside. There's a big mutual respect angle. Darby gets elevated in the lost earnestly because it's not like Darby's going up against Miro again anytime soon. And it's not like Darby's in the title chase right now either. So, like, Darby would need this win if Darby's next move was going after Kenny Omega's title. But right now, that doesn't feel like the move. 
And even if they did this, I don't know that he'd be ready to do to go for Omega's title. And 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 if that's like sort of even you know, like remotely a debate, like if we're not saying like if, if there's like a side A and side B on that question, then you absolutely should not have Darby Allen winning this match. So if they do this, I consider it to be malpractice. And if they did it, I imagine it actually would flop in front of this audience. All right, you changed my mind. I think Sam Punk wins for some reason. I thought Darby had to go over because I thought it was gonna be veteran wanting to put over the young kid and that was the whole point of this thing but i mean there are good arguments for both but you can't do this in rosemont on his return on his first match no no can't. i mean think it's like so how would you beat punk would you have punk get beaten by a small package or would you have punk take a coffin drop and lay prone in the middle of the ring on his first match back when he said all through his go home promo that the and even on commentary tonight that the question is can Punk do it? It has nothing to do with Darby Allen. The entire story of this match is does Punk still have what it takes? If he loses, yeah. the story of the match is no. It's just like when you were in MMA. Go home, buddy. Someone ruins the match. It can't be two point and Daniel Garcia at this point, but it could be Brian Danielson. It could be Adam Cole if you wanted it to. And he they, he hits Punk. Darby doesn't know this. It's rolled in the ring and, oh, you don't want to win like this, whatever, blah, blah, blah. But I, you, you could do that. I don't think they will do that. I'm just going to change my answer and try not to feel like an idiot. I'm, CM Punk wins this. And we get a big hug spot to end the night, hopefully. That's going to end it for us, I think. Uh, you can follow me at Crap Game 13. Again, I'll be doing an all-out review on Fight Game Media over on Patreon. You can join. I believe it's patreon.com slash fightgamemedia. Chris, who will be out next week, can be followed at DWATG. That stands for Don't Worry About the Government, his rollicking political podcast that he does weekly for his Patreon viewers at don'tworry.tv, correct? That is correct. Don't worry.tv, patreon.com slash DWATG. You can go and check it out. Uh, just a couple of notes here as we close out the show. This episode, I'm going to be out of town next week for the funeral of my grandmother. Um, this episode is dedicated in loving memory to my grandmother, whose um, deep obsession with the O.J. Simpson trial um, and television news and other uh, idiosyncratic obsessive habits most assuredly rubbed off on her grandson, although in very sort of through the looking glass kind of ways. I can't help but see many key aspects of my personality in her. I will love her always, and I, I hope uh, wherever she is right now, she's very happy, and that the O.J. Simpson trial is once again on, and she can yell at that nasty Judge Ito, who she loathes so very much. Um, the other note here at the end of this show, last week I relayed a story about a, a professional acquaintance um, who had COVID-19 and did not get vaccinated and was in the hospital. Um, last week, about 12 hours after we taped the show, show uh drew past um so i want to dedicate look we didn't have the best relationship i'm gonna just be completely upfront on that but i want to dedicate this episode in memory to drew dana i hope uh wherever you are you are finding some sort of uh, peace and um i hope more importantly that your family finds peace and um is able to get through this and for those of you who are on the fence about getting vaccinated um, and uh, doing what it takes to try to be as safe as possible with this. I hope his story serves as a cautionary tale. See you next week for the Jeff and Cody show.